Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 422 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Happy summer. It is for real summer. This is the first recording session. You know how the time space continuum works. It's the first one. We're recording where my kids are home for the summer, and I just have a little deja vu every podcasting year that goes by because they're a little older and a little more able to be like, okay, everyone, mom's recording. Like, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. And I think back to when there was serious mental gymnastics that went into recording this podcast with kids home in the summer. And now I'm like, all right, I'll be out in a couple hours. Whatever. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what's happening in my house. Um, Also, our first week you know, out of school. Owen took a job tutoring. Like he's like helping tutor summer school kids. So he's gone. But Clara got home at about 3.30 a.m. last night from a field trip that they do at the end of the school year. And they leave at 2.30 in the morning and they got back after three last night. But Owen drove. And now like he went and picked her up. I was awake. I couldn't sleep until she was in the house, but I didn't have to put my contacts in. And now she's asleep. She'll probably sleep all day. She'll so I'm sitting here enjoying from now on. Yeah, she's going to become a hamster now, um, which she always is kind of semi that way in the summer. But yeah, and I'm sitting here enjoying a um, strawberry infused sparkling water. Well, I love that. That sounds I'm feeling kind of summer fancy. Yeah, like a, a great kickoff to summer. Well, what's funny is we're talking about house rules for summer today, which really is the opposite of what you and I both described, which is like, eh, I don't know what's happening. Whatever. It's the first week. There's always that first week, though. And then there comes a point where some kind of structure and it really like there's a whole range of what feels right and good to different kinds of moms, different kinds of personalities. But some amount of structure often can help you feel a little more tethered to reality. It can help keep the wheels on, as we like to say. Um, And so this is in our series of House Rules episodes where we really feature you all's tips for uh, keeping your home and your family life running smoothly in a given topic area. Today's topic being the gigantic one that is summer. And I was thinking about this, Megan, and I was thinking about like, why, why are house rules helpful? Because it can feel, especially in summertime when we want to be free and spontaneous, like, oh man, why we got to have some rules? And I think to me, house rules help mom protect the things that are important to her. And that's going to be different in every family. It might be that a decently tidy house is important to you. It might be that your kid's nutrition is really important to you um, or that screen time is a hot button issue for you. It might be that you have to work while the kids are home during the day. So a house rule isn't meant to be so constrictive that we can't enjoy our summer. It's just something that helps protect the thing that's going to protect 
your sanity as a mom. I uh, totally agree. And even though I might not seem like somebody who's super rule oriented, um, there were definitely themes that came up where I was like, oh yeah, at different times of my life, I had that same rule or a very similar one. I think they, it's important to remember they can change with your family growing or changing and evolving in different ways. Um, I also love how one recurring theme with these episodes is that the rule then becomes the thing that takes the blame um, for not being fun. Not mom. Like mom's not the one who said it. The rule said it. So now we just do what the rule says. And I think that it can take some pressure off in that decide once, make the rule the bad guy kind of a way. Right. And anyone who spent time in a preschool or kindergarten or first grade class, like we always say, you've seen how um, community shared rules and structure can actually really give kids, I think, a lot of safety and freedom. And so even if you identify as a more loosey goosey, free flowing mom, you probably have your own form of house rules or your own form of shared expectations that are anchoring your kids. And you may just not think of them as rules. So what's fun about these episodes is we get to see what all different kinds of households are being challenged with. As I was reading through these, of course, I thought the rules were brilliant, but I was actually kind of smiling at like, what is the um, thorn in mom's side that this rule is seeking to address in some way or simplify? Um, I also want to throw a big shout out to Kendra, the lazy genius, um, a friend of ours in the podcasting space, who talks a lot about house rules um, in her lazy genius guide and her lazy genius principles. Um, Kendra has an episode from a couple of years ago called A Guide to Summer House Rules that I think would pair excellently with this one. It's more about like how, what to think about when you are deciding what's important to you, because you can't have a rule for everything. No one's, no one's suggesting that every aspect of your summer be governed by house rules. You kind of have to pick the things that are important to you. And I think that's what Kendra's really good at is helping you think about that. So maybe pair those together and we will link that up in the show notes. But Megan, we got over 75 comments in our Facebook group thread about this. There's no way we're going to get through all of those today, but I thought we could go back and forth share some of our favorites. And then as we go, we will inevitably remember and recall some house rules from our own summers with many kids at home. Do you want to kick it off? Sure. Okay. So the first one I have to share comes from Emily. She says, I have a newborn, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Our rule is that this one, I just love this one so much because it, first of all, it's very, very sweet, but it also reminds me so much of my days with a bunch of little kids. Our rule is that we can watch TV in the morning, but nobody holds the baby until after breakfast. We were running into fights of the big kids wanting to snuggle the baby, which threw off the morning routine and the baby's nursing. Um, and she's got a couple other ones. Golf cart rides are a dad thing. I'm, I can only begin to imagine why golf cart rides might only be a dad thing, but I, I have some ideas. But let's just go back to this, like, nobody can hold the baby till after breakfast thing. I just think it's the sweetest thing ever that the baby is that sought after that it creates like an actual log jam mm-hmm. of the morning routine. Um, and that's just, it's just the sweetest. It totally reminds me of when, especially Clara, but Owen and Clara really were little, like they just, you know, the older kids just lugging the baby around. And I mean, it was always very cute, but yes, sometimes did get in the way of things getting done. Well, I'm so glad we started with this one because it's a great example of how very, very young kids can absorb a house rule and and understand a if this, then that. I mean, four and two is really little. They haven't been in a lot of structured school yet, or maybe they have through daycare. But you can say, guess what? We have a new rule. Nobody holds the baby until after breakfast. They could be like, "Okay, mom, like these things can start really, really young. A lot of our rules today are going to have to do with screen time and snacking and things that typically start to crop up like in in the elementary school years. But do not be afraid to enact some very simple house rules with your toddlers, people. It can be done. Well, the first one I want to share comes from Madison, and we got a lot of great input about snacking during the summer um, and a lot of different approaches. These don't have to. It's not one size fits all. Here's what Madison does. She says for snacks, I put apples, grapes, and carrots out on the counter and they are always available for snacking as needed. If those don't sound good, you probably aren't actually hungry and can wait until a a designated eating time. 
I, this is like right up my alley. I have not done this. And I actually ran it by my kids today who are 15, 13 and 10. And they were kind of like, well, that went uh, very yeah. fun. I was like, I feel right, like the right. ship has sailed for my kids a little right. bit. It's like a little, sometimes it's a little too late to start something. Cause yeah. then it's like, but that's never been the case before. Right. But apples, grapes, and carrots. First of all, they can stay out on the counter. If you ever deal with like flies or fruit flies in your kitchen, sometimes I put a little like dish towel over the top or something, but truly those things are room temperature stable for hours and hours. They can be freely available. Um, and I, I have often used that, uh, bluff calling, tactic with bedtime snacks. Um, we used to have bananas or baby carrots were the thing that you could have if you were hungry right before bedtime. And it truly is a good, um, a good litmus test because a really hungry kid will eat one of those things. And a kid who is just stalling will pass. So it's, it's just a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful example of those kind of boundaries. And I also think there's something kind of romantic. We talk about romanticizing every everyday life of like a bowl of grapes out on the counter and help yourself kids. Yeah. This is this bounty. This cornucopia is available to you. I always, um, one of the ways I feel most comfortable in my home, like I've done my mom job and am creating a food secure environment is having a bowl of fruit out. Yeah. Like it's one of those, it's like a North star for me. And that doesn't mean I always have it, but like if I have a stocked fridge, but no bowl of fruit out. It doesn't feel quite done. The bowl of fruit is like, ta-da, I did it. I am momming. Look at me, mom. (laughs) Yeah. Look at me. And I have over the years, not anymore, but like when they were that age, when it was just the constant summer snacking, um, requests were happening. I did lean on that fruit bowl in just such a way. Just like this is you go there first. Um, okay. So the next one I have is from Jaina. This is another, um, issue that was big for me in those middle years when my kids were big enough to be kind of out playing a little bit independently and having friends in the backyard, uh, but who sometimes would just drift into the house without, without warning. Uh, So the rule is if the yellow door is open, we're open. This was adopted when we had the neighborhood kids knocking on the door constantly to play. I'm the mom who stays home the most out of all the other moms. So our house is a catch all for kids which is fine, except for when it's not. Nothing like stepping out of the shower or bathroom to a gaggle of kids in the hallway. Now everyone has learned that they aren't allowed to bug us if the yellow front door is closed. Much easier than telling them no or yes or maybe later all the time. I love the color cue and the simplicity of this. Like, it's literally the yellow door. It's not any door. Um, It's not like if you just saw one of us go in or out. It's not like if you saw a shape moving behind the shade. Or, you know, you saw the cars in the driveway. Those are not the cues. It's literally a yellow door being open. Um, I love that. And I definitely struggled with exactly what Jane is talking about time, you know, a few times at a few different periods, eras of my life when the kids were little. And I think it's nice to have a rule like that. It's good for the neighborhood kids, too. Like they want to know they don't want to feel bad coming to your door um, or like they're annoying you. And some kids are very sensitive to that. I, I think I was actually as a little kid. So um, love that. And it also, it does exactly what you said at the beginning, which is it makes the yellow door, the bad guy, not, not you. You're not saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Our, my kids can't play right now. Um, so it is, it's perfect. I love it too. Um, okay. So Stacy is one of our many listeners who commented with some version of you must do these things before screen time. Um, and so there were lots of versions of this. I like hers because it's simple and that kids of all ages can likely do this. So she says, my kids have four things they have to do before screen time. Read, play, make, and help. And she elaborates. So play is something active, preferably outdoors. Make means art or something with building toys. So like, you know, make something, create something. And then help is, she says, something other than their regular daily stuff. So today they vacuumed the car. Yesterday they weeded a garden. So these are not, this isn't like pick up the dirty socks you were not supposed to put on the ground anyway. This is an actual, something to actually help the household run. Um, But it also has the nice shorthand of read, play, make, and help. I have not done this exact thing, but summer to summer, I will often have some daily like list that my kids need to look at or a whiteboard that they need to check. And I guess my, my general encouragement of all moms is don't forget that summer is a great time to add a 
few more responsibilities than you think your kids are ready for, now's the time to do it. If they freak out or they melt into a puddle on the floor and you realize it's too much, you can always back off. But summer's the time where you may have a little more bandwidth to teach some of these skills um, and they likely have some more time. So don't be afraid. I know it's summer and you want your kids to relax and they'll have a lot of that too. But don't be afraid to uh, add some new chores to their list in the summertime. And they they have developed an amazing amount over the previous yeah. you know school year. Uh, the, the last nine months, if you ask their teacher, they would say, wow, they've come a long way. So yes. um, as a mom, sometimes I think we're not using the same, I don't know, rubrics or measuring sticks to like notice those changes, but they, they happened. Yeah. They're ready for more than they were. Yeah. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, well, the next house rule um, comes from Anne. I love this one because, Sarah, you know that I have a long struggle with socks in my house. So Anne says, socks live in a basket by the back door instead of in our rooms for the summer. We rarely wear socks because we're often barefoot or in sandals. But if we need to throw on shoes to go out for a bike ride, we have socks right there instead of having to run upstairs and dig out a pair. And I'm also thinking back to when my kids were the age where we would go to a lot of places where you had to have socks like um, bounce houses or hmm, I'm trying to think what else, like bowling, things like that, that you might do in yeah. the summer. But Nobody knows where their socks are right. because you're not wearing them that often. Also, I just love that this sort of, it probably reduces the, the options, like the choice um, exhaustion that can come from like looking at a drawer full of socks yeah. because there's probably not that many socks in the, in the basket. Just grab the ones. I do have to share really quickly, Sarah, that I, when we moved from the house that we were in into that, you know, our new, new house. Yep. We've moved so many times. I know it's getting a little bit, um, it's a little bit silly to keep saying that, but <laughs> we're here for a while. I, I want to say this might be the end of the sock basket for me, the sock basket era that has been my plague for the last 20 years, like 20 years. Yes. <laughs> I told the kids to pick out whatever socks they wanted. 
not to pick too many, just to pick their favorites. And I threw everything else out and they have to keep their own socks now. And it's only Clara and Owen. Yeah. So there won't be the same confusion over whose socks were whose. Oh my gosh. I just, it's giving me like, it's making my shoulders tense up thinking about all the sock related yeah. crimes. It reminds, brother on brother crime. Brother on brother sock crimes. It reminds yeah. me too, when our last house rules was house rules for tidying up and how many house rules really were the aha that comes when you realize like not all items of clothing have to be in the in child's bedroom in yes. a drawer. Like how right. freeing it is to decide that, yeah, socks live in a basket by the garage door or um, coats like stay in the car or whatever. Like you can get really yep. outside the box when you think about how your family actually requires their various articles of clothing. So I love that one too. And the sock in the basket thing for us for a very long time was year round and it worked great while it worked great. Yeah. Absolutely. And then at some point it's sometimes things just don't work anymore and you got to move on to a new system. Well, not surprisingly, we got a lot of house rules that have to do with TV time, tablet time, screen time. And I really encourage everybody to read through the whole thread because you might have, you, you might have like a kindred spirit mom whose kids are mm -hmm. same ages as yours, same screen time struggles. Um, these are so unique to each household, but I wanted to share what we're doing this summer um, or what what I decided was important to me with screen time this summer. My kids are 15, 13, and 10. And what I realized is I wanted some part of the day to be very low to no electronics at all. And I've never approached it that way. But what I was finding is like, okay, my 13-year-old likes to play video games. My 15-year-old likes to watch TikTok videos. My 10-year-old wants to watch movies. They're very interested in different screens. And it was no longer working to say, okay, everybody gets an hour. Everybody gets this on this day. It just, we had outgrown that. But what I wanted was a part of the day protected so that nobody was on a screen. And so we actually like kind of turned it inside out and we approached it that way this summer which means the other part of the day, and it's roughly half and half, it's roughly kind of like a big portion of the day is really no screens. And then almost anything goes the rest of the day. And it's working really well. Um, the, the problem it solved for me is that I'd have these structured number of screen time hours. And then my older two would conveniently find something they wanted to do that wasn't it could exactly. only be done. Yes. It would be yeah. like, Oh, you know what, mom, I have to do Khan Academy for homework or mom. Can I make origami with YouTube videos? Right. And in my mind, I'm like, well, yeah, of course that's not, that's not like the same as mindless video games or TikTok scrolling. But what it meant was that somebody was looking at a computer the, in, like the entire day. So, um, yeah, blocking things out for nothing has been so far, it hasn't been very much time, but so far been really good. And then it's also giving them more freedom to self-regulate as, cause they're getting older in the time of the day when it is more of a free for all free for all. And I, I told them this is not, I'm not saying you get seven hours straight of video game times. I'm just saying that the time of day when I'm not gonna police it is between 1 PM and 8 PM, but I'm not, I'm also not guaranteeing that you're going to get the whole time. So we've been navigating that. Um, well, that's what we did for a long time Yeah, that we just had, um, like, like protected sacred non screen time. And yeah. I found that it made me have to do policing. Like the policing was getting out of control because not everybody, not only would not everybody want to use their screens at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes it was like somebody, they were doing something with somebody else. So they couldn't like, yeah. and sometimes it was literally the same screen. So then it was like, was I going to have back to back kids? waiting their turn to use the screen, but then they're just piggybacking or would I rather everyone just gets to do whatever they want, but then this three hour or five hour or whatever period, nobody's on the screen. So yeah. that felt easier. Like the inverse felt easier. It, it has felt really good for me too, because, um, my younger two, so my 13 and my 10 will still find things to do together. They'll still play. Reed is like a very young 13. He just turned 13, but for sure they wouldn't play together if one of them had the option to do a screen. So it's actually forced right a little more sibling collaboration togetherness and just removed it. So anyway, that was a very long preamble. I'm going to read a couple of different house rules around screen time, but I, I was struck at how differently different moms are solving for this. Um, and a common thread was unlimited screens in the morning before the day got going. And I was actually surprised because I'm the opposite. I want us to get going and move and go do something, but that's because I'm a morning person and our family kind of runs like that. But I think a lot of families 
are getting ready for the day. They're working in the morning. So they're free for alling with screens in the morning. And then everybody shuts it off at nine o'clock or whatever. So here is Carrie's and I like hers because it rhymes. She says no TV between nine and three unless it's a rainy day. So she's taking more of that, like that blocking out that white space, um, approach of blocking it out. And then the rest, I assume that her kids regulate or she regulates in a different way. And then she also says, or if I'm just done in. So of course, we're I moms. Like that we get, we get to break our own screen time rules when we need to, but no TV between nine and three. And then Sarah said, we do a no iPad, no tablet summer. So we watch TV together, but no small screens in their face. She said, this is our second summer doing it. And I love it. My kids are seven, five and two. Okay. I picked this one. Cause I, I just want to add that I also have noticed a big difference in the type of behavior I got when my kids were small and allowed to use a tablet for a long time versus watching a show or movie together. And we, she calls it screens in your face. I used to call it small screens, big screens. So I would be very permissive with anything they were doing together, watching together, even playing video mm-hmm. games together. Very different than small screen, individual small screen in your face. So if that hasn't occurred to you yet, or if your kids are just getting into this stage, like, I think that's, that's also an invitation to look at what's the, not all screens are created equal and which ones are contributing to our family culture and which ones maybe have like a higher cost. And so I don't think my kids would ever have put up with a no iPad summer. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but I do like that Sarah identified that watching TV together is a completely different animal than individual kids on individual iPads. Yeah. I think when, I mean, it was just so different for my older kids because, you know, individual screens weren't even a thing really until the youngers. But I remember when that was becoming a thing that for me, I looked at shared, I called it shared screens versus, you know, on your own screens or whatever was completely, completely different. And I would even make more exceptions for sharing if, if, I mean, it didn't happen that often, but like if two kids wanted to share uh, the iPad and play something together yeah. on it, I might even look at that differently than yeah. like one kid hold up in their room with it. So, yeah, it's like, what are you going for? What yeah. is the value you're trying to support with this rule? And while taking an iPad or tablet off the table for an entire summer might seem extreme, don't forget that part of the beauty of arbitrary rules and house rules is that after a few days or a week, they won't ask. You will you are freeing yourself from having that conversation for the entire summer. So if it seems extreme, don't I have I have found that in my more extreme screen time rules, I actually benefited from very little negotiation because it was just not an option. Right. Yep. All right. Well, the next one I've got comes from Kate. Um there were actually a couple where there were like temperature rules. And this is the one I grabbed. I love, I love this because and the first rule she's got here is it must be at least 72 degrees for water play. Yes. Love it. Now I love this so much because I remember, I remember actually being a kid and having my mom tell me it was too cold to like play in the sprinkler or whatever and being kind of irritated because it felt hot to me. It was summer, you know? Yeah. But my mom was no dummy. She knew that she was going to go through all that effort. And then I was probably going to play for 90 seconds and that I was going to come in freezing and shivering and miserable. And why? Like the whole thing was just going to be dumb. So I, I also had, I don't remember having quite, um, such a specific, like I never cracked the science on what the right temperature is that makes it worth doing. But I love that Kate did 72 degrees. And also, I feel like 72 degrees, at least where I live, that's when it's legit. Like if you get to that temp every day, it's legitimately summer. It's not going to like it's not going to suddenly be 52 out if it's 72. And that just feels like a different time of year. So I love that. Um, Kate also said no popsicles or freeze pops until after 1 p.m. So like, but why not? Yep. But why not? And then I also wanted to point to Katie and her popsicle-based house rule because there were several popsicle-based house rules that sort of circled around the idea of getting kids out of the house. And I did exactly this when my kids were little. If I wanted to get a little break and I wanted my kids to play outside, the their ticket to going outside was ice cream or a popsicle. Or their so, ticket to the ice cream was <laughs> to eat right, it outside. Was good, exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, those two things went together. So Katie says popsicles and the like can be eaten any time of day, providing they're eaten outside. And I feel like there were maybe two or three other uh, moms who had the same had the same house rule. I love that. Yes, at least three or four people had the house rules that popsicles are only eaten outside. And my first thought was, I wonder, Megan, if you like subconsciously, subliminally influenced that rule, because I can remember you talking about that for as long as I've been reading your work. And it's not like it's yeah. you're the only mom who ever had that idea, but it made me smile to think it's possible that some of those moms heard you talk about that. Your Dairy Queen Dilly yeah, Bar just like years just ago. Got tucked away. And then, yeah. yeah, and now it's a house rule, but it's a it's a good one. Well, listen to this one. It is also related to popsicles, but it's actually more about garbage and tidying up. <laughs> this comes from Heather. It made me laugh so hard, and I want to discuss whether we think we could ever pull this off. But Heather said, if mom or dad has to pick up more than two popsicle wrappers over the course of the whole summer, we're done with popsicles for the summer. And then she says, wow, you should see <laughs> my kids dive to pick up a popsicle wrapper that their friend left on the grass. Okay. I, first of all, I love it. Heather, it made me smile. I had the second thought of like, okay, yes, but you would have to be ready to enforce this rule. And that is something not to take lightly as a mom. If, right. it, if it would hurt you more than hurt the kids to really truly enforce the rule. Cause I think it would work if the kids really believed that like the last popsicle has been served. If mom or dad has to pick up more than two wrappers um, for the whole summer. And I also, um, read this one to my kids and they immediately had a lot of like, you know how older kids will do that? Um, like pre, you. Yeah, well, the pre law, <laughs> like contingency, yes. what if this happens? And like Violet was like, well, I wonder if you had to bend over and you got two wrappers at once. Does that count as two or one? And they like had, they were ready to poke all kinds of holes, but I just, I love how bold this is. And I also love that it's working. She said, you should see my kids dive to pick up a popsicle wrapper that their friend left on the grass. So it appears to be working. It does. And I, you know, I can think of rules that I've had in the past that almost seem silly in their scorched earthness. But I think I knew that they were something that could be reinforced relatively easily because they didn't really matter that much. Like, for example, if it had been me with popsicles, my kids just didn't care that much about popsicles. Now, in the moment, they would have been mad. They, you know, like they would have right. been like, what? I can't have popsicles for the whole summer. But I don't know that like. So that would have been a motivator, but I'm not sure that had the popsicles gotten taken away, it would have reduced their quality of life. Right. You know, so like it would have been both shocking and bold, but also kind of non inconsequential right. in the end. Right. And I feel like that's the trick to stuff to like upholding something. It has to be the juice has to be worth the squeeze, yeah. as we've exactly. as we've said um, with many other things. So like it has to mean enough to you to uphold it or it has to mean not enough to them that you won't like the, the fallout won't be yep. so terrible. It's not worth it. Okay. So this one made me laugh. Um, this is coming from a member whose first name has no vowels, which makes me assume that it's it is a, or... it's an, yeah, initials or alias of some sort. So, uh, I will not be saying your name. Sorry about that. But this rule made me laugh really hard. It is no matter what you must change your underwear once a day. <laughs> I just love that. It's just like, no matter what, everything else is like everything else is on the table for change negotiation. Doesn't matter what we're doing though. Underwear does get changed once a day. You got to have a standard Yep, of some sort and changing your underwear is a mindset thing where if, if these are kids, like I'm picturing my kids when they get in a very slumpy summer, you know, they just turn into like oozing yep. puddles of nothing Having to get up and change your underwear is a, it is a move. Mm -hmm. It creates some movement. And even if, you know, there's no real reason to, I feel like it's, and I know Sarah, you just shared on the show not too long ago that you don't like to reuse underwear, even if nothing bad has <laughs> happened in it. Um, <laughs> but like, but I don't like, remember why we were talking about of, that, but yeah, I don't either, but I could see it being kind of a, like, um, a good shot in the arm for kids too, like a little boost, like change your underwear. Yeah. You'll be glad you did. Yep. I think there's also a lot of freedom and flexibility that can still exist 
and you can change your underwear once within a, day. a world so like, where one's underwear yes. is changed. You yes. could, you can, as a mom, embrace long mornings in pajamas. You can embrace sleeping in one's play clothes. There's, there's still a lot of, a lot of um, allowance given, and you can change your underwear once a day. So I like that one too. Um, Hopi, I think it's Hopi, um, says that her rule. She has twelve and fifteen year olds, so older kids. Um, and the biggest summer and school vacation rule their family has had for a couple of years is that mom doesn't make breakfast or lunch. I really like this one and I have been tempted to go in that direction and then I somehow get sucked back in. But yes, 12 and 15 year olds, not only capable of fixing themselves food, they're they're capable and learning to um, actually cook, to clean, to clean up after themselves. Um, I know there's a lot of discussion around like, nutrition and helping kids make healthy choices for themselves. I think you do have to let a little bit go. If you're going to expect kids to feed themselves, you can't also expect them to feed themselves like a 35 year old, right. You know, health conscious adult. Um, but I just really think that working yourself out of a kitchen job as a mom of older kids is brilliant. And I'm a big fan here's, I will offer to Hopi what I've done instead this summer is I have decided when I want to go into the kitchen for breakfast or lunch, and I will sort of make a general announcement. Hey, everyone, I'm going to make lunch. I'm going to put out sandwich stuff and cut up some fruit. If you choose to partake of this lunch, it's happening now. If you don't, you're on your own later. So that's another way I've done it where then I'm cutting up some healthy stuff and anybody who's lazy or feeling lazy in that moment and wants lunch made for them, they can put down whatever they're doing and come eat. But if they don't, then they're on their own later. So it's a little bit of a hybrid. Yeah. I I'm trying to remember the last time I, uh, like what ages the kids would have been when I trans like started to sort of transition out of the expectation being mom prepares your breakfast and lunch. And it's not that I never, like you said, it's not like I never make a breakfast or a lunch. I like really like to make my kids breakfast. But that will be like a, hey, guys, guess what? Today I'm making a big yeah. late breakfast. So if you're hungry now, you might want to grab something. But in about two hours, you're going to have a big spread. But the kids know that that's the exception, not yeah. the rule. And they are on their own. And they probably have been since probably my oldest was like a teenager. And I would at that point still have been getting Clara, yeah. you know, and maybe Owen their lunches. But it kind of was like, you guys are all doing your own thing, too. Like. Everyone's all over the place yeah. as they get older. And um, I don't want to have to manage that. And I just wanted to make food when I felt like making food and they could partake or not, like you said. Yeah. And it, it it's occurring to me that in some houses, including mine, you may need a more hard and fast rule because what my older kids who are very capable of fixing food for themselves, what they will do, and I don't think they mean to be manipulative, but they will not realize they're hungry till they see me in the kitchen and maybe I'm puttering around, maybe I'm making something for myself. Maybe I'm putting a piece of toast in. Um, and so then that's all of a sudden when it's like, Hey mom, could you, you know, like da, 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 da. And of course then I'm like just feeling, well, I'm in here anyway. So there's a little bit of scope creep, um, <laughs> that can happen yeah. if they're not motivated to feed themselves. In other words, why would they, if eventually mom's going to be puttering in the kitchen and just so happens to toss in a freezer pizza for me or something. So you may right. need, and 12 and 15 are great ages to just declare, like, this is a new summer rule. I don't cook you breakfast or lunch. It doesn't matter if I'm making my own or if it's convenient or if I'm in the house or not. I don't do it. You do it. So I'm I'm a fan of those kind of harder boundaries if they serve a, a greater purpose, for sure. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. 
And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Bionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, well, I wanted to give a shout out to two moms who chimed in and were on more of the non-rules side because, Sarah, I think like you said, many times we are creating rules, even if they don't feel like rules or we don't uh, pronounce or proclaim them as a house rule. And sometimes the house rule is kind of we don't have a rule (laughs) at this time of the year. So I'm just going to read these two together because they're um, similar and similar, but like kind of show how even a household where there's not like, there's not a lot of new things being introduced in the summer. That can be a very intentional choice. So Sonia says we live a really busy life during the school year. So I honestly have to say summer is pretty laid back. My kids are rising fourth and seventh graders and we stay busy even during summer due to our non-school activities. So I don't nickel and dime screen time or snacks because just by staying active with our non-school activities, We're getting outside, learning, and being social. So as long as we keep those three things going, I'm a happy mom. So I like what she's saying. It's like, there's no need for the rule because our lives are set up in such a way that like the rule is that we're doing all this other stuff anyway. (laughs) So the rule isn't necessary. Um, And then Kate says, for my 10 and 14 year old, there are some days where we just don't go anywhere. And if you want to stay in pajamas all day, go right ahead. I also don't have a lot of screen time restrictions. We spend big enough chunks of the summer doing stuff or traveling or whatever. So on days that are slow and lazy, I go ahead and let them enjoy that part of the season. And I feel like for me, for a very long time, the rule was there are no rules. That was kind of like, this is what summer in this house this year is, is or at this time of our lives, I guess, in this season um, is meant for. It's yeah. for this, for, for pajamas all day, for binging a show you can't get through during the school year, whatever yeah. it is. And that to me felt just as intentional as setting more rules would have during that during that phase. I think both of those two spoke to or at least what I'm like reading between the lines is it sounds like they're both living their summer family lives that are really in alignment with their family culture. They are traveling. They are getting out. They are using their bodies. They are so like then there isn't a need for arbitrary rules because you are living your best life and why put rules on the home front? Um, if the home is just the place of rest and respite in between these other things, then I agree. I think I would be the same way. So I love that. Well, here's an example of a rule that I think is just for mom. I'm picturing this as a Jennifer's rule is more for herself probably than her kids because she has very little ones. They are three and six months, six months old. And she says, we leave the house every morning in the car. Sometimes it's a big adventure like the pool or the zoo. And sometimes it's something small like a new playground picnic or library. And maybe I'm wrong. Jennifer, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But 
it, when I was in that stage, I think that rule would have been for myself because it's very yeah. easy. It's so hard to get a three-year-old and a six-month-old dressed, changed, clean, snacked, watered, breastfed, bottle fed in the car. Like that is a project. And sometimes it's more trouble than it's worth, but often having a little bit of discipline with yourself that this is what we do. We put on our clothes and we leave the house every day. It can really do a lot for your mental health, for your just being out in the world and seeing people. It's a very isolating and sometimes lonely, lonely time. Um, and so if that's what I'm reading between the lines, um, two thumbs up for that plan. You don't have to even if you leave every morning in the car, you don't even really have to like go somewhere where you have to get out of the car. I did a right, lot. I was just gonna say, I you don't ever lot. have to go anywhere. Yeah, I did a lot <laughs> yeah. of like drive through Starbucks, drive through dry cleaning, quick stop at the library even was a drive through. When I lived in Arizona in the summer, sometimes the car ride itself was the outing. But I really um, yeah. if you are feeling stuck at home with little kids and you just want to challenge yourself, maybe it's not all summer or maybe it's not every day, but maybe you do set a goal to leave the house every morning in the car three days a week. So something like that. I really like that. Um, and I will also say that if you are someone like one of the other rules that we read where um, it, maybe morning is not your jam, yeah. maybe you're slow to get going. Maybe, you know, in the morning you're going to have a pile of emails to get through and you're just going to let the kids <laughs> crawl around on the floor and eat Cheerios or whatever. Um, I used to do this in the afternoon. Yep. So for me, the rule was after the first, whoever the littlest was sometime between their first and second nap, we yep. needed to be out. And my goal was honestly, depending on the kid that they would fall asleep on the way back. If they were the kind of kid I could move from the car to the house without waking up. And you know, not some kids do that. Great. Some don't. Sometimes I would purposely plan it. So they'd nap in the car or at least that they'd get sleepy something would happen to have made them a little more sleepy yeah. so that when we got home, I could put them right down. So I often, it was like wedged between nap number yeah. one and nap number two. And I agree. Sometimes it was driving around. Um, sometimes it was going to a park. Sometimes it was going shopping, whatever. Like we had our, we had our stomping grounds. You yeah. know how you get in those routines, oh, yeah. depending on the makeup of your kids and where you live. Yeah. But I, I love it. Just like leaving at some point, it's can be very demoralizing huh. to be in the same space and feel like you're stuck there. Yep. Um, and it can also be like a lot of work to get out the door. So you have to yeah. kind of push yourself. Yes, you do. Yeah. There's got to be a reason. Well, jumping to the totally other end of the spectrum in terms of kids ages, Renee has twin 11 year olds and then two college aged young adult kids who work full time in the summer. And what they do, I love this. They do sibling time for an hour after dinner. She said, it's important to me that all the kids connect at some point in the day. During COVID, I came up with sibling hour where they all need to do something together for an hour after dinner. This is right in the sweet spot of older kids not going out with friends quite yet in the evening and younger kids being back from day camp and slowing down their day. Most of the time it's TV, video games, or a board game, but often they'll go out for ice cream or play mini golf together. Bonus is that dad and I are not a part of this at all. So to be clear, sometimes the sibling time is just playing video games or watching TV, but back to what we said about um, shared or collaborative screens, even that can be a wholesome summer afternoon activity. And I just, there's something so sweet about thinking of this big age spread. And I'm thinking about your five, Megan, and just a big, like a big family of a, of a lot of different siblings. And I love that idea of a slightly forced, but more a ritualized sibling hour. I have actually been letting Owen and Clara turn the TV on during dinner sometimes when it's just the three of us here, which doesn't happen that often. Um, but we're in a new house, you know, we've got, they've got a new stepdad. Like there's a lot that's yeah. changing. And for the very first time in our entire lives, and actually in the very next episode, we're talking about her houses and their layouts and things like that. But this is the first house I've lived in with an open concept ever, at least ever with kids. So we're like, oh, Hey, here we are. We can just turn the TV on and watch it from the table. It's, but it's kind of fun. Like it's, it feels so novel uh -huh. to us to do that. And then it is different than if we were all staring at our phones or something. Yeah. So I love that. Um, okay. Well, I love this one from Kenna. She's so non, like, I don't know, no nonsense. I am not a cruise director and there will not be activities on deck. If they tell me they're bored, I offer them a toilet brush. <laughs> uh, Kenna says, I promise we will do fun things, but I hate the expectation that it, I, I assume she means life yeah. will always be entertaining. And I like, I love that she's pushing back against this idea that it's mom's job to entertain or create an entertaining environment or 
have activities to do. Um, bored kids can clean. And that, you know, I haven't had that exact rule before, but my kids did know better than to actually, it kind of became a joke for a while. They knew better than to walk in the room because they, they would, I'd hear them whispering in the other room and being like, don't walk through their moms in there. She's going to yeah. give you something to do. They would know like to go around. Yes. Sometimes they would go to extremes, like go out the front door and all the way around. So they didn't have to see me. But anyway, um, yeah. Like if, if you look like you're leaning or, you know, slumping around or moping, I might just give you something to do. You might end up with a toilet brush in your hand. Um, I would also pair that with, uh, cause I, over the years have had a different relationship to this idea of like, solve your own boredom kid. It's not my problem. I think COVID kind of messed with like how that worked in my house. It worked really well for a long time until it didn't. But don't forget that if your kid doesn't have a ton of agency over their social life, that can be a kink in the mix. Some neighborhoods allow for kids to go find a playmate, go for a bike ride. Some places where you live might not. And so um, I think understanding the options your kid has in order to solve their own boredom is, can be a helpful reality check. Um, I have sometimes gotten in the habit of comparing myself and my situation to other people whose kids are, have, um, neighbors surrounding them all the time, or who for whatever reason have more options to solve their boredom than maybe mine did at that season. Um, and then I would also say that it may be a clue that it's time to add some independence so that your kid can solve their own boredom problem. Um, Luke learned to take the public bus recently and was bored the other day and was like, I'm going to take the bus downtown and go shopping. And I was like, more power to you. Mm -hmm. Have a good trip. That felt so good. That felt like you're bored and you can do something about it. I do think there are seasons of life where kids truly feel stuck and, um, than others where they just need a nudge in the right direction. So I guess right. that was a long way of saying, I think it's nuanced sometimes asking a kid to come up with ways to solve their own boredom. Well, and I think there, I think that we've gotten, we've definitely touched on this in previous house rules episodes where maybe the solution is a box full of craft supplies that they only get when they're bored or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's, there's still a way to hand them tools yes, mm -hmm. or point them in the right direction without doing it all for them yes. or like manufacturing mm -hmm. the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm just going to do one more and it comes from another Kate. We've had a lot of Kates and Katie's today, but this Kate, I just wish I could do this. Why can I not enact this house rule and stick to it? I don't know. But in her house, everyone gets their own insulated water bottle to refill Throughout the day, another mom said each kid gets a different color cup. It's the same concept. It is not having 75 different water refills throughout the day when kids are home on summer. And I don't know why I can't. I, I obviously can't solve this problem because maybe it's not important enough to me, but it's it's constant. The water glasses are constant in my house and it just feels so simple. So I would like to try that. Um, just you have your water bottle, you know where it is. That's your source of water. We don't need a different cup every 10 minutes. Do your kids make fun of you for immediately before the glass, like practically before the glass hits the counter, it's in the dishwasher. Well, I it's like that. that. And then I, I, I think <laughs> I, I get my brain all twisted up. I think, oh, I'm going to leave that one out on the counter because I know they're going to come back and ask for another one. Or I'll be like, who had the red cup? And they're like, I don't know. And I just, it's not, there is no system in my kitchen except a lot of rotating water glasses. Well, I've got one more. Um, and this is from Lauren and it's a little bit longer and it's very, I would say outside the box, but I feel like I did something similar to this for a little while when my kids were little. So this is just a great example of like something that might feel like a lot of extra work to one mom or something she wants to let go of for summer break for another mom might be something that makes sense to keep doing. So Lauren says, even though my kids and I are home together for the bulk of the summer, I don't ever stop packing lunches the night before. It's quick to do in the piece of my post-kid bedtime routine, keeps the routine, the routine going strong, gives me a chance to try something new for the upcoming school year without worrying about a cafeteria fiasco. So like she points out a few ways things can go wrong, like this strange new fruit gets mushy by lunchtime. Everybody hates these muffins, etc. Keeps us from having to stop what we're doing in the middle of the day for lunch prep and is one less meal for me to think about while everyone's home. 
We can bring them to the beach, playground, museum, zoo, or eat them in our own dining room. Everyone's still responsible for the usual, the usual school year lunchbox clean out, but we, and we don't have to reestablish that routine come September. I love everything about this because first of all, she's taking their lifestyle into account. Yep. Like they're probably on the go a lot. And I think when I was doing something similar to this, we were also getting out like almost every single day. So I was like, well, it just makes sense. Like the food's going to be all packed and ready to go. We'll just take it with us. And then that makes, it's kind of like a mobile feast Yep. and we're all on the go. And like the food's there. We don't have to rethink it. I also feel like there was a time in my life. My kids were more likely to eat what I wanted them to eat. If it was all packed in small portions and put in a lunchbox. Mm -hmm. Yes. Then they would, if it was just like, oh, Hey, I'm going to make the sandwich. And they it's like the magic was gone if they saw me pulling everything out of the fridge and they'd be like, oh, I don't know. But if it was delivered to them <laughs> in that package, it just really worked. And I feel like this was a short-lived thing for us, like maybe one summer. But I definitely remember having one summer where it just made more sense. I also think it was maybe when I had a nursing baby or toddler who it was like during the day, it was harder to get the other kids fed with that baby in arms, but much easier to prepare the food the night before when they were in bed. It also really simplifies grocery shopping because if you're packing lunches during the school year, you can keep on shopping um, for the same thing because feeding lunch at home in the summer, it really requires kind of a different thought process. Whereas if you just keep doing what you're doing. And the other thing I'll add is if you have kids where an older one is going to day camp or summer school or something, and there's little ones at home, that's a great time to pack everybody's lunch. I think I learned that from Asha at Parent Hacks like 15 years ago, that if you're packing one lunch, you might as well pack a couple more, maybe one for yourself and a toddler or a baby. And then it's all done. Like Lauren said, like the clean out, the shopping, everything. So I really, really like that idea too. That was a great one to. And it's clear, it's clear that she figured out that her pain point is the clean out. So she's not doing that. The kids have already been trained to do that and they're not going to get out of the habit of doing that. So it's actually, it's really just giving her the part of the job. It sounds like she likes, which is the experimenting with the, with the food and packing the food. So great. Why not? Well, thank you for that, Lauren. And thank you for everybody who shared a house rule for summer. We, like I said, there's over 75 comments. This one is in our private Facebook community, which you can join by clicking the link in the show notes right now. And it will ask you a question. What's the latest episode of the mom hour you've listened to? And what are you looking for? We ask those questions on purpose because this group, as one listener said, is the last safe place on the internet. I forget the exact phrase, but someone said this is like truly a supportive um, community of moms and Part of that, I think, is because we have this show in common. And so we're not looking to exclude just to exclude, but we do try to keep the group really for people who are actively listening to the podcast. Um, And so if you want to read all of them, hop over there, request to join. We will approve you and would love to have you in that space. And I, I feel like, Megan, this time of year, people are asking questions and sharing tips for all kinds of summer stuff, not just house rules, but people are talking travel. They're talking um meal planning, all kinds of things that come up um, when schedules change in the summer. So it's a good place to be. Um, Megan, we have a more than mom coming up this Sunday. What are we going to be talking about? We are talking about the different ways that our houses can be quirky. And we're not talking about the rules that we make to run our households, but like the houses themselves, yeah. the the closets, the layouts, all those things. So um, yeah, I just moved and Sarah, you've had enough time to settle into your house over the last few years. And I think it'll be fun for us to talk about the ways that we love our spaces and the the things that just make us scratch our heads about them. Yeah, well, I can't wait for that because I can't wait to hear a little more about how you're settling into your new married lady house. So we will talk to everybody on Sunday. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. 
Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.